Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, now this show is going to be a little bit different. Um, we always seem to be changing up the schedules, but it's really not our fault. It purely comes down to if there's going to be fights this weekend, if there was fights last weekend, etc. Last weekend, of course, the one that we're going to review in part one, there was quite a lot of fights going on. So that's, that's going to be a nice little part, part one. Part two, where we preview the fights, I think there's only really one card that I'm going to mention on the preview part of the show. So basically, we're going to sort of jazz it up a little bit. We're going to go through part one, where we're going to review the fights from last weekend. Then we're going to bring on two interviews, two fighters that were in fights on that bill. One of them being John Ryder, and one of them being Leon McKenzie, of course. So we're going to do part one, then we're going to bring on John Ryder, then we're going to bring on Leon McKenzie. And then I believe we're going to do part two, and there's a little bit of news that we're going to discuss all things Amir Khan and Canelo. I'm just going to spoil it for you right now. And we're going to end the show on an interview, I believe, that Ayers done with Jamie Kavanagh, who's fighting this weekend. Is that right, Ayers? Yes, that's right, Joey. Jamie Kavanagh. Excellent. Okay, great stuff. Okay, so we get straight into part one. We're going to start, of course, there was quite a few cards in different continents. Um, we're going to start with a card, just one fight I want to mention on the bill in China. Um, Zhu Ximing picked up a TKO victory in round eight. That was for the vacant WBO international flyweight title. Zhu Ximing now moves to seven wins and one loss. He beat a guy called Nathan Coutinho, who was unbeaten in 12. Of course, he's now got the one blemish to Zhu Ximing. This card, the reason why I wanted to start with this one was because Eddie Hearn got a lot of credit this week because his fight card that we're going to talk about next right after this one, it had 14 fights on the bill. And everybody was going, oh, you know, it's a nice card. George Groves is on it. Yep, you know, credit credit where credit's due. This crazy one in China had 28. So it's amazing. So that was the one that Zhu Ximing was on. That was over in Shanghai, the Shanghai Oriental Sports Center. So big shout out to that venue. Absolutely buzzing for boxing right now. <laughs> Um, we're now going to move over to the Copper Box Arena in Hackney Wick, of course, in London. We're going to start with Top of the Bill. He's the first guest on this week's show, John Ryder. We're going to, of course, talk to him a little bit later. But his result of his fight, he picked up a 12th round unanimous decision victory over Sergei Kamitsky. Of course, Sergei Kamitsky, everybody's sort of nicknamed him the Brit Basher. We've seen him stop a few of our prospects John Ryder started the fight a little bit ragged, a little bit wild, I think. Um, he picked up a cut above the right eye in the second round. Um, John Ryder now moves to 22-2. and two. Sergei Kamitsky, that's his 13th loss now. Again, his record doesn't look fantastic. 30 wins, 13 losses, three draws. But he really is a danger man, absolutely. It was still a tough fight, but we're going to move on to another fight on that bill. Uh, John Wayne Hibbert defended his Commonwealth title against Tommy Martin. Now, of course, we spoke to Tommy Martin 
uh, I think it was two weeks ago now, he was really, really, really confident for this fight, but it didn't go in his favour. John Wayne Hibbert, the champion, and of course the underdog. It was widely reported that he was the underdog in most of the betting shops. So John Wayne Hibbert picked up a 12th round KO. It was a little bit strange. I mean, Tommy Martin went down sort of on one knee. He was looking at his corner and he seemed to misjudge the count, I think. He thought it was on seven when really it was on nine and he got up at, at what he thought was seven, but really it was nine and the referee waved it off. Uh, I think he did deserve to go the final distance. He didn't deserve to be counted out. I think John Wayne Hibbert would be the first person to say that as well. You know, of course he'd, he'd like that extra knockout on his record. He, you know, he'll like that, but it wasn't the best. It wasn't the, you know, the sort of knockout that you want to have on your record. He was, it was a bit, um, it's a bit of a shame, to be totally honest. Tommy Martin, you know, this is just a bit of inexperience, really. Remember, this was only his 14th professional contest. And, of course, his hardest fight yet to date. I think that um, he shouldn't have really been looking at his corner. But very unfortunate stuff for Tommy Martin. He wrecks up his first loss now. 13 wins and one loss. It was an absolute war, by the way. And it was the best fight on this card. John Wayne Hibbert, now 17 wins and three losses. Moving down the bill. Martin Ward picked up a third round TKO. I don't think that that, that that fight was televised. He beat a guy called Mario Pisanti. So now Martin Ward, that was his 15th professional fight. So 13 wins and two draws. That was for the WBC International Super Featherweight title. Pisanti was down in the first round and again down in the second round. Of course, it ended in the third by TKO. Okay, now the George Groves fight, Ayaz. I know that this was a fight that you paid close attention to. What did you make of George Groves getting back in there? You know, the return of the Saint. What did you think of his performance, Ayaz? I reckon it was a good performance. It was his first performance under new trainer Shane McGuigan, which I believe, in my opinion, this time I actually reckon George Groves will actually win a world title this, in my opinion. Shane McGuigan is a very good coach, very young yet, and the and George's, uh, George's power, I reckon, is starting to slowly come back now. Yeah, absolutely, Ayaz. I mean, definitely. You know, Shane McGuigan, like I say, he's a young trainer, but he's very, very sought after at the moment. So, interesting link-up, of course. We've we've noted that before. But, yeah, George Groves picked up a TKO victory in the fifth round. Of course, he beat a guy called Andrea De Luisa. De Luisa had been knocked out on three occasions, I believe, and one of them was to Rebras. Uh, Rebras is a guy that George Groves beat quite handily. Um, De Luisa was given a count in the fourth round and he was down in the fifth. And basically his corner threw the towel in, but he was pretty much finished. George Groves just showed his, you know, the type of level that he's on. Boxing's all about levels. George Groves, he did show us all his, his fantastic jab. He does really have one of the best jabs in British boxing, in my opinion. We're going to move down that card, of course. There was a few other guys on the bill a little bit. A little bit down that card. Ben Hall, who was on our show last week, he picked up a fantastic win. He looked really good, by the way. He fought a guy called Chris Aguidua. Now, Aguidua, he was the champ. It was for the British Boxing Board of Control Southern Area Super Worldweight title, the 154 title. Ben Hall looked really, really good. He picked up a TKO in the sixth round. He was telling us last week, he was telling me when I interviewed him, that he hits hard. We haven't really seen, you know, what he can do yet. And he now moves to 8-0 and with the one draw. And like I say, took him out of there in really good fashion. Everybody said he looked really impressive. 
Uh, Leon McKenzie was also on the bill, of course. He's our second guest on this week's show, and we'll be speaking to him in a short period of time. He picked up a first-round KO over Kelvin Young. Leon McKenzie, of course, campaigning at super middleweight, so he now moves to eight wins and the one draw. Reese Belletti, of course, he was trained by Jimmy Mac Jr., who we spoke to recently as well. He now moves to 5-0. and oh. His opponent, Elvis Gwillen, retired after the seventh. He didn't want to come out for the eighth and final round. So Reese Belletti now 5-0. and oh. O'Hara Davies picked up another routine stoppage in the third round. This one was by TKO. He fought a guy called Prince Afotsu. Afotsu was down twice in the first round. And O'Hara Davies just, you know, he just looked good. And he, he sort of did what he had to do and got him out of there, which is what he should be doing with this type of opponent. Uh, O'Hara Davies now 10-0. and 0. Ted Cheeseman was also on the bill. He moved to 3-0. and 0. He picked up a fourth round TKO victory. Dion Juma, the Brit that is fighting in Britain for the first time. He's been fighting all over the world. And now he's got his first fight in Britain, which was his eighth fight. He won this on points after six round after six rounds. So Dion Juma now eight and zero. Craig Richards moved to four and zero with a points win over Kieran Gray after four rounds. Louis Adolfi again trained by Jimmy Mac Jr. He moved to four and zero with a points win over William Warburton. That was just a four rounder. Um, Lucian Reed was also on the bill. He got a nice TKO victory in the first round. His opponent. Kovacs was down early in the first round, and that was it. Kovacs was actually unbeaten in two fights, so he was 2-0. and Lucian Reed was 3-0, and but now Lucian Reed 4-0. and And Charlie Duffield, he was out on his second outing professionally. He picked up a TKO in round two. His opponent, Richard Harrison, uh, you know, he's only just starting out his career as well. But Charlie Duffield, 2-0 and now. And that's it for the Copper Box show. I, think, I believe we've read out every single fight of that 14-fight card. I think we've given the results on every single fight. We're now going to move over to the beefy one, the really, really, well, I say beefy one. It was a, it was a rematch that perhaps didn't really need a rematch, but we're going to talk about it anyway, of course, at the Bell Centre in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, top of the bill, Sergei Kovalev faced Jean Pascal. This was a rematch, of course, in 2015. Sergei Kovalev beat Jean Pascal. I think it was the eighth round when they fought in 2015. I thought it was going to go in five. You thought it was going to go in seven. And, well, he retired in the seventh. He didn't want to come out for the eighth. So you got that prediction right, I had. So uh, congratulations on that one. Thank you very much, Joey. <laughs> This, of course, was for Kovalev's IBF, WBA and WBO uh, light heavyweight titles. Kovalev just absolutely bossed it from round one. Uh, We saw Jean Pascal have quite a decorated corner. He came out with Roy Jones Jr. rapping. Uh, he wrapped his, he wrapped him into the ring a little bit like Stormzy did for Joshua the other day. I'm not sure it was quite up to the same standard, but... Nonetheless, Roy Jones Jr. came out with him. Of course, he also had Chris Bird, the former heavyweight champion of the world, in his corner. And of course, one of the best trainers in boxing as well, Freddie Roach, was in his corner. So you could see he was taking it serious, Pascal. But even though he was taking it serious, Kovalev, just too superior for him, to be totally honest with you. Like I say, he was bossing it from round one. He was hitting him with whatever he wanted to. Every time they were clinching up close, Kovalev was throwing in that double 
right hook or double left hook right into the ribs of of Pascal. Every single time they was literally just being told to break by the referee, he'd quickly slip in those two body punches. And they looked really solid, you know, those type of punches. that he, he just wanted to punish him. And he said it. He did say it. He said he just wanted to punish him. He's not a good person. He doesn't respect him. And he's never going to respect him. That's what he said. Of course, after the fight, when he was being interviewed, he said that he wants to fight Adonis Chickinson. What do you make of that, Ayaz? Have you ever heard of Adonis Chickinson? Yeah, a nickname for Adonis Stevenson. I reckon that's a very good fight. But in my opinion, I still reckon um, Kovalev beats him. Yeah, so do I. So do I, if I'm being totally honest with you. He jumped in the ring. He said, I'm the real champ. To be totally honest, Kovalev didn't really um, sort of give him the time of day. He just sort of walked off and kept it cool. You know, he's just won a big fight. He's not going to start getting into a slanging match in the ring, especially when... Both guys, English isn't the greatest. I don't know what language they'd be speaking in. Um, Kovalev, again, now 29 wins and one draw. He's just an absolute animal at the moment. I can't wait to see that fight. I did ask a question on the Box Hard Podcast Twitter page. I put a poll up there. Uh, I did ask everybody, if only one can happen in 2016, who would you? what fight would you rather see? Would you rather see... Kovalev against Ward or Kovalev against Stevenson? Now, we took 161 votes on Twitter and Kovalev versus Ward was the winner. It was 55% of and 45 for the Kovalev versus Stevenson fight. So Kovalev versus Ward, a fight that people want to see more than the Stevenson fight. In my opinion, I'd like to see the Stevenson fight, but I'll leave that there. We're going to move down that card. There was one other fight, I believe, just one other fight I want to mention on that card. A prospect coming through at the moment. Two prospects coming through at the moment as it goes. Firstly, the heavyweight prospect, Cassius Cheney. He moved to 6-0 and with a third-round TKO over Zoltan Sassler. Um, also on the card, Joe Diaz Jr., prospect in the super featherweight division he picked up a second round tko it was only a four rounder which is a little bit strange because joe diaz was 20 and 0 going into this fight i believe with 16 knockouts so he's now 21 and 0 with 17 knockouts i believe so a really good win for joe diaz jr another fantastic opportunity for him to get on that big card in canada um there's a couple other fights that i want to mention that took place in USA, there was a fight at the Marriott Convention Center in Burbank. Uh, Jose Felix Jr., he picked up his 33rd win. He's now 33-1 and with the one draw. This was a split decision after 10 rounds. He beat a guy called Ricky Sismundo. Ricky Sismundo was deducted one point for hitting after the bell, and it was a split decision, as I say. And that's really it for all the cards this week. Like I say, there was that big card in China, that huge card in China. There was the bill in the copper box and, of course, the the, the fights in Canada. And there was just one to mention there on USA. We're now going to bring on our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, fresh from his fight on Saturday night and his win over the Brit basher, Sir Kamitsky. We welcome you, Mr. John Ryder. John, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm ready to be on. 
No problem. It's my pleasure. Um, I just want to touch on your win on Saturday. We've seen Sergei Kamitsky, your opponent, stop some of our prospects, of course, Adam Eches and, of course, Frank Bullioni. How tricky is Kamitsky? Because his record doesn't obviously look fantastic, but we do know he's a real danger man. What's his power like? How did you feel in there on Saturday, John? There's real power in both fists. I mean, he throws that big back out and, and he just loops that short hook in. But, um, He's, he's, you look at him and you think, oh, he's it, easy, don't mean, it'd be easy, mate. But he does things a little bit differently. Like when you're in there and he kind of takes you by surprise a bit, he is better than he looks when you're in there with him. You sort of started the fight not in the best way. You got a cut in the second round, I believe. Did you mean to start like that or was it just simply wanting to impress straight away, maybe a bit too early? No, I mean, um, I. I I seem to get I always get cuts on that side of my face for some reason I mean but um, no I mean I, I, I just wanted to box I knew there was in my mind I'd, I'd put in a, there was no chance in hell that I'd get committed to get out of there so it was just purely just to box not to make it an exciting fight for no one just purely just to get a win and get my career back on track Definitely. Now, I want to talk about the Nick Blackwell fight. It wasn't the usual John Ryder we see turn up for fights. What went wrong on that night, and how much would it mean to you to avenge that loss to Nick Blackwell? I've, I've trained well, I've trained hard. But, I mean, I just uh, I just messed up with my diet a bit and um, paid out on my price. Do you know what I mean? It uh, just shows that if not all factors are done properly, then slip-up is going to happen I mean it's all very well I was out in Texas training for three weeks prior to that fight and come back another three weeks back in England but um, I mean I was great runs great sparring but just, just didn't get a hold of my, my diet and my, my weight and left it crashed it down last minute and I mean people said to me that if you don't do your weight properly you'll get off it for your fight and things are just failure and it turns out it does is that is that a defeat that you'd you'd like to avenge? Of course, we now know that he's supposed to be fighting uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Is that would you like to would you get want to get a look in for the winner of that fight? Perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's, it's a natural fight. The Eva fight is a massive fight for British boxing, and they're both fights. I think I can win. I mean, they're both top opponents. But I mean, um, I'm in this for the big fights and the big nights. So I believe that on my day when I when I do do things properly and do my right, my weight right, that, that I can beat the best. So, who would you actually like to fight next, or are you looking at that fight? Do you want the winner of that fight, or is there anyone else in particular that you'd like to fight next? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I genuinely just leave it down to Tony Sims and Eddie Earn and just see what they can't with. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who shouts in the rooftops that I want so and so, but I mean. A fight I would like would be like the Jorge Sebastian Highland fight because I think he cast that good win against Matthew Macklin and I mean I think he's had one fight since and that's that's over a year ago so I mean, he's, he's got a great ranking with OBC and there was talk about it before but it's just just a fight I would love to have. Because of course your record now twenty two and two you came really really close it was a really close fight I was actually there in attendance when you fought Billy Joe Saunders. Do you feel that your career has almost sort of took like a backward spiral since then? Not that it was anything to do with you, but just performances. You underperformed in a couple of fights, although you pulled out the win. But again, a really, really good effort you put up against Billy Joe. Do you feel that you're sort of, you've come out of the limelight a little bit, whereas before you was right underneath that big spotlight? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, after the Saunders fight, I mean, I was due to get straight back in against Jez Wilson for a British title in December. But I got a hand injury, so that, that put me out, and the fight ended up being put back till April time. So, I mean, yeah, you kind of lose all momentum, do you know what I mean? In, in a time where I should have had that fight in December, then again in April and really kick, kick back on and maybe push for the rematch around that time. I mean, all was kind of lost, and I, mean, I, I did ultimately get injured again in, in the Jez Wilson fight, so that put me back even further. So it was just about just getting back in there in the end and just racking, racking up some wins and, and getting back in the mix. Who do you think is going to win, if I can push you for a for a prediction on the fight between Eubank Jr. and Nick Blackwell? Uh, I think ability-wise, you, you've got to lean towards Chris Eubank. But, um, I mean, I know firsthand that you, you can't write Nick Blackwell off. He's, he's as tough in the game as they come and he's, he's an absolute addict to training and I mean where, where I like the discipline of the diet and making the weight he was completely opposite he was on everything he was on the marks everything that plays a big part so I mean if, if Eubank's not on it then it could be a big upset on the card and who would you like just just going back over to Billy Joe now who would you like to see him fight next I know that he's now turned around and said he's got a fight date in April who would you like to see him in there with? A lot of people are obviously shouting Golovkin, but who would you like to see him in there with, John? Uh, no, I don't think... Listen, he's just won the title. I mean, who wants to fight Golovkin? Do you know what I mean? Realistically, it's a, it's a, it's a very high risk and not be funny that the money is not the, will not be the greatest of rewards. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, someone like a, a challenger, like a, maybe like a Gabriel Rosado or... Someone of thoughts like that who's, who has previously fought for world titles and, yeah. and is willing to travel because I mean he, he does deserve to have a fight in London and have a homecoming. He deserves to get a few defenses. How many times will you look to be you know look to be out this this year, John? How many times are you looking to be active this year fighting? Uh, I'd like to be out as much as possible. So I mean, if I could get another three fights in, that'd be that'd be perfect for me. Okay. Um, a massive fight that just sort of got pulled out the hat today. Everyone was just going mad about it on Twitter. Um, Amir Khan facing facing Canelo. What's your thoughts on that one? So I, I see that at first. And I see that there was a, a promo video. And I just thought that's got to be a joke. And there weren't too much going about. But then I've seen everyone tweet that. I thought like that's strange. Um, got to take your hat off to Amir Khan for taking the opportunity. Don't don't see that. Stepping up to 155 to fight Canelo is the best move, and I mean moving up to 155 to fight Canelo anyway, but then to fight for the 160 title was a bit strange. So I don't get that. There's plenty of challenges at 147 that he could have took, but um, hats off to him. It's a tough fight. Absolutely, it is a bit of a strange one. All right, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you now if you want to give any listeners your your Twitter handle for people to follow you on Twitter, maybe Instagram, Facebook, and if there's any sponsors you want to thank, now's the time to do so. Yeah, if I could thank um, White's Gentlemen's Club, um, Elite Scaffold, and RS Raynham sponsors. Thanks for their continued help and support. My um, my Twitter and Instagram is underscore John underscore Ryder underscore. Um, yeah, just uh, get following and keep reporting.
Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for giving us a bit of time this close after your fight, John, and this late at night, of course. Uh, it's been my pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much, and we wish you the absolute best of luck for this year and the best health, the best. I hope you don't get no injuries or anything that's going to play a part in your career in a negative way. All the best from Box Hard Podcast, John. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. No problem. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, now, as I said, this show is a bit different to any other shows we've got. We've got the two interviews that are sort of still part of part one. We've just interviewed John Ryder. We're now going to bring on ex-football player turned boxer. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Leon McKenzie. Leon, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm fantastic. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Just uh, a chill day today. Chill day after that crushing first round KO. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good weekend for myself and family. Um, just yeah, just handled business. What was it like fighting on Sky Sports? Get finally getting that exposure as a boxer. Of course, you've you've probably been on Sky Sports as a footballer. Is that the first time you've been on as a boxer though? Still, sure, yeah, that was the first time as a boxer. So, you know, that's an achievement in itself. Um, it was good to make an impact and a big statement in the fashion that I did. One thing I want to ask you, Leon, is. Of course, as you say, you were a professional football player. When you turned to a boxer, was you still in love with football a little bit? Um, not really. I think I'd done all I could um, in regards of my professional football career. I had 18 years of, of some fantastic, um, had some fantastic memories and uh, achieved as much as I could um, in that uh, professional career. Also, was uh, you know had a lot of uh, major injuries, which... It was a bit of a burden to, to, to my career, maybe even blossoming even more. But um, like I said, scored many goals. I've got some fantastic memories, so I left a lot um, behind and, and obviously moved forward. Yeah, because just before your fight started, they did show that goal you scored, that famous goal against Manchester United, and it seemed like your celebration, to be honest, lasted longer than the fight the other night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I. I kind of made that a bit of a trademark um, taking off the top thing when I when I scored sort of big goals like that. Um, so it was just a habit and weren't in bad shape then, to be fair. No, I did actually have a little butchers at your body at, the, at that time. Yeah. Um, something I do want to say is, of course, you turned pro in 2013. You had three fights in 2014. Uh, sorry, f 13. Three fights again in 2014. Two in 2015. Are you looking to get out a little bit more in 2016 now? Well, possibly. I mean, uh, 2015 had uh, a couple of uh, you know injuries and you know things happen. It's obviously it's boxing, isn't it? So it's a tough sport. Um, and I remember hurting my hand. I slipped a disc in my neck. Um, so it, it, again, it's just all about timing and everything else. The realistic, um, you know. Logic for me is that you know I'm 37 years old, 38 this year, and I'm just not going to be able to fight every sort of two months. It's just not possible. But if I keep having fights and um, stopping them or knocking them out in, in that fashion, then of course I'll be fighting a lot more regularly. My next fight will be for a major title, so I'm not too sure um, on date wise yet. We've got a couple of options, and whatever option we choose to go by, whether that be an English title or something else that's been offered to us, then um, I'm sure it'll be in the next sort of few months 
of course, a lot of boxers do road work and stuff like that. Of course, they, you know, they have to move their legs through training. Do you find this particularly easy because of your background? No, no, boxing is not easy. Um, it's a, it's a real tough sport. Um, I, I do feel having 18 years uh, as an athlete, bringing that experience into from a training training method of things, I do think yes, yeah, definitely, and helped me. Um, in regards of how I am, I mean, although I say I'm I'm a sort of young 38 coming up, um, you know, as I step into the ring, you wouldn't you wouldn't really put that number on me. No, definitely not. Of course, you're you're managed by Steve Goodwin. I know that there was back when David Hay returned just just this month or just last month, should I say now? Um, of course, Steve Goodwin got the opportunity to to take care of the undercard. David Hayes' next fight, I don't know if there's been an announcement who's going to be doing the undercard, but if it is Steve Goodwin, will you possibly be on that undercard? Uh, it all depends on what plans we've got next. I've got a meeting with him next week. So, like I say, my next fight is, is, is possibly the major title time, and I don't know if that's going to be... Because I know Jermaine Smile is fighting, uh, defending that against Liam... Uh, I can't remember his surname. He's fighting, he's defending that uh, anytime soon. So, you know, don't, uh, whether it happens in that particular... When is the David Hay show fight? That is the 21st of May, I believe. Oh, well, yeah, there might be a possibility that that could happen, yeah. Excellent. That would be a brilliant opportunity for you, especially if it's on terrestrial TV as of last course. time. In your opinion, who is the top one or two guys in the country at the moment at Super Middle? Uh, well, obviously, James DeGale, 100%. Um, Super Middle, I think if you look at it, um, you've got obviously um, your man from the States. Um, what's his face? My, my brain's a little bit gone at the moment. Um, yeah, Andre Ward? Andre Ward, that's him. Right. He's yeah, just I mean, recently you know, moved up to light heavy, actually. Has he just recently moved up? He just recently moved up. Yeah, that division's wide open now. Of course, domestically, domestically, we've got the likes of, of course, um, George Groves, Callum Smith, Martin Murray, those types of guys. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, it's wide open. I would say, you know, it's very wide open then. Obviously, Callum Smith, is, is, I think he's got a world title eliminator, hasn't he? So I believe that, it, you know, again... He may vacate the British title, which leaves that wide open for myself to be in the mix. Um, and then, um, again, he's another serious contender. And how is it? How do you sort of find it? What's it like being in the corner? Because you've got that experienced corner, of course, your dad, Clinton, former European champ, and of course, your uncle, Duke, former world champ. What is it like having that type of experience in your corner? Well, you can't, you can't buy it. It's- you know, these guys are have done their thing and they're giving me that knowledge and we, we go on to to um I go on to, to perform the best I can with my journey. At the moment it's my dad and Richard Williams who are, are in my corner. Uh, Duke um is uh, more taking a, a position from the outside. Excellent. That's Richard Williams who of course fought Sergio Martinez. That's correct. Right, okay, another experienced guy. The last thing I'm going to say to you then before I let you go, Leon, is 
winning which title would be the biggest thing for you realistically? Would it be the English? Would it be the British? Would it be the European? Well, the, the, if you're looking at uh, levels, obviously European title would be phenomenal right? to, to, to win a, a title of that stature. But I think ultimately to win a British title um, with the journey that I'm, that I'm on would be the pinnacle. You know, to win any sort of domestic credible um, title for me now is, 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 is a big deal in itself. So any, any of them really. Absolutely. Okay, well, Leon, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been my pleasure. We wish you the absolute best for 2016. And we hope that your dream of winning that title can come true, sir. Thank you very much. Take care. No problem. Thank you. Nice one, man. Bye. Okay, now it's time for part two. This part's the part where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. However, we did say earlier there's not really much to preview. And after the preview, we're going to go straight into an interview that Ayaz has done on his own with Jamie Kavanagh. Before we get into the preview side of things, Ayaz has got a little bit of news for us. We did touch on it earlier. I did spoil it earlier, and I did ask John Ryder his opinion about it. Ayaz, what piece of news do you have for us? That Amir Khan will fight Sol Canelo Alvarez for the WBC middleweight title in Las Vegas on May the 7th. Yeah, what an absolute massive clash. It's just been made. It came out of the hat. It just it just came out of nowhere. I mean, nobody was expecting it. I think that Eddie Hearn was taken by surprise. Everybody was taken by surprise, not just Eddie Hearn. It was an absolute shock. It's a really, um, in my opinion, it's not the best decision that Team Khan have made. Of course, Khan was at 140 for a long, long time. Then he moved up to 147. He's had a couple of fights at 147 now. He was expressing how much he had to kill himself to get down to 140. He was fight. He was fighting at 147, now moving up another weight division, a weight division that he's never fought at, to face Canelo, who arguably is in the top three or four or five pound-for-pound fighters in the world. So one thing you do have to admire is the bravado and the balls from Amir Khan to take this fight. Of course, everybody wanted that summer showdown with Kell Brook. That's now not happening. Of course, that, that won't happen this year, obviously, because after this fight in May, which you did say was the 7th of May, I asked, after that fight, he could probably get back in the ring maybe December time, Amir Khan. But, of course, that fight between him and Kell Brook warrants a stadium, and there won't be no stadium fights happening in December or November or any late months of the year. It's got to be in the summer. So that now will not happen till 2017 at least. I believe, in my opinion, if Khan loses to Canelo, he's still got that Kell Brook fight to fall back on. I think Kell Brook is kind of there like a, you know, like a substitute. Whenever he needs him, if he picks up a big loss, he can fight Kell Brook for a big, big money fight. It will never be a fight that's not going to bring, you know good money in because the public have been wanting this fight for years and years anything to add on this fight Ayaz is there anything to add is it a little are you a little bit worried for Khan moving up basically you know two weight divisions you may as well say he hasn't like I say hasn't really fought anyone who's top top elite in 147 he goes straight up to 155 but he did release the fact that he, he walks around at about 160 165 170 he actually said something along those lines. I'm not sure what weight he said, but he did say he walks around at that weight. So this is more of a natural weight for him these days. What do you think, Ayaz? I reckon 
this fight is going to be very tough for him as well. He obviously said that he's worked out 160, 165 in this ring. But Canelo is a very big puncher as well. Remember, You've got to remember that. And he's skillful as well. So this is, And he stepped up from 147 to 155, which is a big eight pounds the difference. And that could mean a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, like you say, you know, it, it could mean a lot. Like, like he also says, he walks around at that higher weight. It'll be interesting. Everybody talks about Khan's speed. Will that speed be there when he's a bit heavier? I guess, uh, to be totally honest, I think it will, because when he does training, that's where we've seen his hand speed on the bags and stuff like that, when he's not really, you know, he's in training camp or he's just ticking over in the gym, but he's not really at fighting weight yet. And he still seems to show us that power, uh, that, that, that speed, should I say. The power in this one is definitely with Canelo. Um, the skills in this one is probably with Canelo, if we're being brutally honest. Uh, we both hope, I believe, that Amir Khan wins. I definitely want Amir Khan to win. You want Amir Khan as well to win, right, Ayaz? Yes, I want Amir Khan to win. Yeah, you know, we're both backing Amir Khan. Of course, he's a Brit. We'd love him to win, but he is a really, really tough fight and there's no way that Canelo can be overlooked. And a lot of people already are overlooking him from Canelo's point of view. They think, oh, this is a great opponent for Canelo's resume. He's going to walk through him, then he's going to face GGG. Something tells me that's not going to happen. I don't know where the plan's going to go wrong, but some sort of detour will come in place. That's just my opinion. We'll see. I might be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before um but yeah it's a really 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 tough fight but of course we know that speed beats power all day long but it's not just power that canelo has in his arsenal canelo is a fantastic he's got fantastic lateral movement he's got fantastic agility he's very agile uh, he's tough he can take a punch it'll be interesting what khan can do because again i still think we haven't really seen the best of Khan under Virgil Hunter yet. I definitely think it's a good fight. I saw an interview with Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach said that Khan has got um, a lot of balls for taking this fight. He also said that Kota will be t- returning to the ring soon and that they'd had an offer from Amir Khan that they had rejected, which was interesting because he said that at this point in Kota's career, he doesn't need someone who's going to be running throwing punches and basically someone who who has got a chase around the ring so that's an interesting sort of reason to to decline a fight but really really big fight i cannot wait for march uh, sorry not march i wish it was march i cannot wait for may the 7th it's of course going to be on hbo pay-per-view but it's going to be aired over here i reckon that it's obviously going to be between Sky Sports and Box Nation. I think that Sky Sports may probably end up getting that fight on their TV, to be totally honest. We're now going to move into the preview part of the show. We spent a long time talking about the news there on Amir Khan and Canelo. Over in Fantasy Springs Casino in California, Frankie Gomez tops the bill 19-0 and 0 he is at the moment. He's in a 10-round contest against Silverio Ortiz. Silverio Ortiz, 34 wins, 16 losses. This is in the welterweight division. Randy Caballero, he's also on the bill, 22-0 and 0 he is at the moment. This is a super bantamweight contest for 10 rounds. He faces Ruben Garcia, who's 15-1 and one with one draw. This will be an interesting fight, actually. Um, Rocco Santamuro, he's also on the bill. This is his 13th professional contest. He's 12-0 and 0 at the moment. A couple of other prospects are on the bill. Shane Mosley Jr. is on the bill. Of course, that's the son of Shane Mosley. Uh, did I really have to say that? 
Four wins and one loss in his career so far. He's in a four-rounder against a guy called Daniel Henry. So uh, that's really it for USA. We're now going to move over to the card in Ireland, in Dublin, at the National Stadium. This is the only purpose-built boxing arena or stadium in the world. This is for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Waterweight title, of course, the 154 title. Gary Corcoran looks to move to 15 and though it's a 10-rounder. Danny Butler, 25 wins, 5 losses. It should be a good contest. Now, also on that bill, the guy that Ayers is going to be into interviewing in about 5 minutes' time, Jamie Kavanagh. He is in his 23rd professional contest. 20 wins, one loss and one draw at the moment. This is for the vacant WBO European lightweight title. A good belt that Jamie, I'm sure, will pick up. He faces Antonio Jao Bento. Antonio Jao Bento, 30 wins, 15 losses and two draws. Romeo Romel, the flash Welsh kid, he's also on the bill. 9-0 he is at the moment. He looks to move to 10-0, of course. This is an eight-rounder in the lightweight division. Michael Dufek, he's fighting 18 wins, 11 losses and one draw. Patrick Highland is also on the bill for his record at the moment, 31 and one. He faces Ronaldo Kalina, Ronaldo Kalina, 14 wins, 29 losses and five draws. Also on this bill, Stephen Ormond, we're seeing him come back to the ring again. I think this is the first time he's fought over in Ireland or Britain for quite a while. I think his last two fights, if I'm not mistaken, were over in the States. Both of them, I think he won by knockout, but don't hold me to that. That's just what I remember. Stephen Ormond, 20 wins and two losses at the moment. He faces Lucas Yannick. Lucas Yannick, 15 wins, 16 losses and one draw. Declan Geraghty's also on the card. He gets out again. Anthony Fitzgerald, the guy we saw in that sort of a grudge match with Spike O'Sullivan, he's out again. He faces Sam Wall. Um, also on that bill, Peter McDonough, he's in his 55th contest, I think, or 54th professional contest. His record at the minute, 25 wins, 28 losses, and one draw. Craig O'Brien, he's also on the bill. He looks to move to 4-0, so it's pretty stacked. It's, it's a good bill for Ireland. It's a fantastic bill for Ireland. Box for Irish boxing this week. We will be tagging Irish boxing in this on this podcast tweet for sure. A massive push for the Irish boxing. We do love a good clash over there. I'm sure. I don't think it is televised, but if it if it is televised or somewhere that we can watch it online, I'll definitely be tuning in. There's always a fantastic atmosphere over there. Irish boxing fans, of course, some of the best boxing fans in the world. And that's really it for part two, I believe. We're now going to bring on the guest that Ayaz is interviewing all by himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome fighting on that big bill in Ireland on Saturday, Mr. Jamie Kavanagh. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got a fight this week against Antonio Joan Bento for the vacant WBO European lightweight title. Do you know much about your opponent? Um, I only know what I've seen really on YouTube. You know, uh, I've seen a few of his fights. He's a he's a he's he's not a bad fighter. He comes comes forward a lot. He's had um, I think 30, 30 fights, maybe fifteen losses. He's been around the block. He's got a lot of experience and. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to 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 meeting him in the ring on Saturday night. How do you see this fight going this week? From your opinion, uh, um, my opinion would be, I think I'm the better boxer than yep. uh, than Antonio, and obviously I'll I'll do what I'm best good at. 
which will be box, and then uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take my angles. I'll I'll pick I'll pick my uh, pick my shot, and it's a ten round fight. So we'll see. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not going out there in there thinking I'm going to blow the guy away. It's a ten round fight at the end of the day, and I'm I'm planning on breaking them down, and then hopefully get the stoppage in the later rounds. But we'll 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 see on Saturday night because at the end of the day it's it's boxing, and that's what's going to take place. We can have a game plan, but after the after after the first round, they can all go out the window. Out the window, sorry. Yep. You used to train with um, Freddie Roach, is that correct? Yeah, I trained with Freddie Roach for three years, and then I went to to train with Joel Diaz for like a year and a half. During your time uh, with Freddie Roach, right? Did you ever get to spar Manny Pacquiao? I did. Yeah, I did. I was a sparring partner for for two for two occasions, and I sparred him once when he fought Michael Rio. So I did. I got I got my fair share of rounds with, with Manny, which was great, and I learned so much from him. Just being in the ring, just being in the in, in the gym with the guy is just is a uh, is really big for any fighter. And watching what he does and what he puts himself through is really a uh, really great to see on a on a hand to hand basis. Did you also get Did you also got the chance to spar with Amir Khan as well? That's right. Yeah, Amir. I, me, me and Amir. I actually sparred Amir for. I'm here for the the Maidana fight and uh, a few other fights. We got great, we got great, some, some great work with him. And uh, he's a, he's a real humble guy, you know. He he, uh, he spoke to me a lot and kind of gave me pointers and tips. And him and his team, they're, they're great people. Oh wow! So yeah. you are you still with Joe Diaz? Still or no? Yeah, that's right. Joel Joel Diaz. Um, he's 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 the brother of Antonio Diaz. Uh, Julio Diaz and also he's the trainer well he was the former trainer of uh, Timothy Bradley Omar Figueroa he trained some, some, some great champions he, he still actually uh, keep in contact with him he's a, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine in, in the boxing world oh well did you, did you ever get to spot Timothy Bradley? I didn't you know uh, we actually we used to joke about it because me being there for so long and I never got the chance to spot one of his A-star a pupils which was Timothy Bradley and then we always used to say, but we we got a spar. But it seemed always when he was in camp, I was out of camp, and I was back home visiting my family, which was very important to me. Being uh, being still kind of seeing my loved ones, so I always missed out on that, and it kind of eats me away today a little bit. So who is your trainer now, by the way? Because you said you ain't with Joel Diaz, are you? No, I'm not with Joel Diaz. I'm back. What I went to America that time. I uh, I brought my my former uh, amateur trainer, uh, Serrano Serrano Ruiz. His, name, his actual name is Juan Juan Manuel Ruiz, and he he travelled to to America with me. He lived there for the whole duration of the time, and also when I was training with 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 Freddie and Joel, he he was kind of my secondary coach, so he learned a lot. And then when I came back towards the end with Joel, Serrano had to come home for some. Uh, some issues that he had at home, so he couldn't be in America with me for say like half, the the last half year. So uh, I trained fully with with Joel, and then uh, when I came back, when I made the decision of coming back to Europe or fighting on this side of the world, I uh, I reconnected with with Juan Manuel, and he's he's still my trainer today. So we have like a a long relationship of a 15 year relationship with him because he trained me all through my amateur career. And uh, he's still training me now, my uh, professional, which is great. 
Right. Are you still with Golden Boy Promotion? I'm not, no. My uh, my contract terminated with Golden Boy Promotions. And then I, I got the chance, obviously, to re-sign with them. And the deal was great. It was a great offer. It was a great deal. And um, But you know what? I just I just wanted to come home this side of the world, be closer to my family. Obviously, the, the long-distance relationship that I had with them was very straining on me and my life and, and my career. And I made the decision of returning home for some, uh, really some family family issues. And uh, I signed up with MGM, MGM Promotions which have always backed me in my career from the start. But now they're, they're big on the scene, so I kind of reconnected with them and, and we broke a deal. Are you ever going to fight in America again or no? In America? I've never ruled that out of, of fighting back in America. I, uh, I have a four-fight deal with, uh, with MGM. This is actually my third fight with them. And uh, everything's been going great. And we'll, we'll see, do you know what I mean? Like I've not ruled that option out, but... I'm 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 liking what's happening for me in this side of the this side of the Atlantic and, and we'll see, time will tell. Right. Um one last question, Jamie. Yeah. There's always there's been talk in uh, in this country regarding the a big fight between Amir Khan and Kale Brook, and obviously you know Amir Khan. In your opinion, who wins the fight between Amir Khan versus Kale Brook? Me, I'm always gonna take Amir my boy Amir Khan over Kale Brook. But that's that's favoritism, right? Because he's a, he, I would like to pass him as a friend of mine, and I don't know Cal Brook. I've never met him before. I hear he's a great guy, but I've never met him before. But as boxing goes, I do think Cal Brook is the bigger puncher. But speed beats power every day, every day of the week. So if you if you're going if you're going on that analysis, I think I'm gonna beat uh, beat beat Cal Brook. There's always that chance of that one shot landing, but I'm looking the way uh, Amir has changed his style when he went with uh, Virgil Hunter, and I think um, he he's gonna be, if not the biggest in the a couple of more fights. Obviously, I heard there's a thing of him fighting with Danny Garcia in the future. When he come when he overcomes that fight, he's gonna be the number one guy in the boxing division. I'm picking Amir Khan. Okay, thank you, Jamie, and. Good luck in your fight and we hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on episode 18 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A big thank you to our free guests this week. Of course, we had to give you free guests because two weeks ago, if you remember correctly, we only had one guest on. We like to bring you two guests every week, so we felt that we had to make up for that by bringing you free. A big thank you to our free guests. Those guys, of course, Jamie Kavanagh, Leon McKenzie, and John Ryder. So thank you very much for listening this far if you have done thank you very much for tuning in please come back next week please follow please retweet favorite like subscribe comment whatever and we will see you next week take care